On a summer's day in the month of May, a burly bum come a hiking. He was walking down the land through the sugar candy, was looking for his liking. And as he strolled along, he sang a song of the land of Middle Canada. Hey there, this is the Sounds of the Trail podcast, a place where we talk about the ups, downs, and switchbacks of trail life. It's time for a hike. Where a bum can stay for many a day, and he won't need any money. Right around the 1,000 mile mark on the Pacific Crest Trail, Dirtnap and I had decided to do a 150-mile, seven-day stretch without a resupply. This would end up being the longest we would ever go without a food resupply while on the trail. This is also the time that we did not pack enough food. We packed almost enough, but that's not quite the same thing. We were coming out of the High Sierra and coming down a bit off of the High Sierra High that oxygen-deprived euphoria of altitude and huge white mountains and crystal-clear mountain lakes and impossible meadows. The walking was difficult and rocky and steep. I was thin. After holding pretty steady weight-wise through Southern California, I had gotten to the Sierra and lost 11 pounds. My pants were barely hanging on, my shirt bagged, I had pack sores. And we hadn't packed enough food. Dirtnap had brought the top two sections of his fly fishing rod with him on the trail, and we'd enjoyed some pretty amazing dinners of fresh-caught trout earlier in the Sierras. But here, the fish could smell our desperation. We'd spend a couple of hours at these beautiful lakes over and over, trying to catch something, and then come away with nothing, tormented to insanity by mosquitoes. I'd caught Miles fever and become somewhat neurotic about how far we were walking every day. And then, one evening... Just before we were about to eat, I knocked our pot and cook stove completely over when trying to shoo away some more mosquitoes. What we salvaged of our dinner was full of sand, and we ate it pretty slowly so we didn't break our teeth. This was not my best section of trail. But this is where I was that day, as Dirtnap and I hiked northwards. As we came up on State Highway 108, where it crosses the trail at Sonora Pass, Two day hikers mentioned in passing that there was trail magic at the highway. Trail magic? Trail magic? Dirtnap and I ran the last mile to the highway. I don't think we'd run a step in the past 1,000 miles. Well, we got to the highway and there to pull out, there it was. Trail magic. A trail angel named Mac had come out that day to grill hot dogs and pass out Gatorades to through hikers. We could not believe it. Mac greeted us, gave us some Gatorades, told us to put down our packs, and then she looked at the two of us and asked, Two hot dogs? Holding up two fingers as she did so. I looked at her and, and you're going to have to forgive me for this, but I looked at her and I thought, if this woman gives me just one hot dog, so help me God, I will not be responsible for what happens next. I mean, one hot dog for a three hiker? That is not trail magic. That is cruelty. But Mac turned and looked more at, at Dirtnap, and she said again, Two hot dogs? And she held up two fingers on her other hand. Then she put her two hands together and said, 
Four hot dogs, then? We nodded and said, yes, please. Inside my head, I thought, oh, good. I won't kill you one today after all. While we were hanging out and eating our two hot dogs, which were delicious, but did not even come close to filling the hole in my belly, our friend Kapiko arrived at the pass. He'd set out to hike a thousand miles, and he was getting off trail completely at the pass. He opened up his pack, and he started unloading his extra food, nuts and dried fruit and lots and lots of cliff bars, and gave it all to us. I had sort of thought I would never be hungry enough to eat a cliff bar ever again, but I was totally wrong. Those cliff bars were amazing. Between the trail magic from Mac and the trail magic from Kabiko, Dirt Nap and I were able to finish the section without having to hitchhike out early from Sonora Pass for an unplanned resupply. Welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. I'm your host, Gizmo, and this is episode 15, and it's all about trail magic. What is trail magic anyways? And who are the trail angels who make it happen? These are some questions we're going to explore in the episode. Trail magic, trail angels... These are some pretty common hiker terms that are hard to pin down. It's easy to identify in person. Sort of like that one definition for pornography. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. To start us off, we're going to hear from Par 3 out on the Pacific Crest Trail. He asked his fellow hiker, Joan of Arc, what she thought about trail magic. Hey guys, this is Par 3 with Sounds of the Trail, checking in from... About 10 miles north of Ashland, we are finally in Oregon. Just got everyone super stoked. And this week, I'm here with Joan of Arc, a.k.a. The Kid. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us why you're doing the PCT. Hey, people. Um, I'm doing the PCT because I had a teacher tell me about it and show me some pictures. And it just inspired me. And I wanted to see lots and lots of mountains. And I think the PCT is the place to do that. (laughs) Pretty sure. So this week's topic is trail magic. So let's start with a quick definition. What is your definition of trail magic? Trail magic seems to me to be anything completely unexpected on the trail. That's an awesome thing. Like, say it's a really hot day and you stumble upon a dirt road and there's a box of cold soda. Like... It can be really anything. The first time I got to see trail magic was in the town of Julian. And I got into town. It was really hot out. And discovered that Mom's Pies was giving out free pie to hikers. So that was one way I've seen trail magic. And countless times. I can't even remember how many times I've seen trail magic. But to me, it's just anything good (laughs) that someone else does for a PCT hiker. And it's really often unexpected, you know, it kind of just comes at the best times. The best times are when it's unexpected, but do you have any times where you were just like, it was the last thing on your mind and all of a sudden it just kind of fell into your lap? Yes. Okay. Best trail magic. Well, not best. I can't even pick a best, but, um, I was down to nothing but peanut butter for two days. So I had nothing to eat but peanut butter for two days straight and just was not enjoying it at all. So I was like, it was about 10 o'clock the morning of the second day and I was just hating my life and could barely choke down any peanut butter. And this day hiker comes hiking along in the opposite direction 
And he gives me a pack of Pringles and an orange. And I was like, wow, this is so amazing. Like, I have something else to eat. And then I continued down the trail about another mile or two and come out onto Edis... Was it Ebbets? No, Ebbets Pass. And there was this guy named Chipmunk there set up with a tent and a table. And he made us, like, eggs on toast and cereal and chocolate muffins and fresh fruit. Like, everything I possibly could have asked for or even imagined wanting was right there. So great. (laughs) So you have the kind of the mix of, like, the day hiker unexpectedly kind of helping a PCT hiker out. He didn't even expect to trail magic someone. And then we have people who set up at roadsides and really trail magic people and will plan these things out and spend tons of time and money to help us just by giving us a little morale boost. Exactly. You know? And it's so great. And then there are the, the, the trail angels in towns or the, the town magic. So you have these businesses or whatever. So do you have any examples of that? Well, businesses for sure, and businesses are great. There's a lot that have been really supportive. They put out hiker boxes for us, um, and they've got trail logs and all that. But I've also been trail magicked by a lot of locals who just welcome me into their homes. Um, The first time I got to stay with a trail angel was in the town of Idlewild. And I asked this dude, I'm like, hey, is there a place around town where I could go camping? And he's like, you don't need to go camping. You and your friend can come stay at my place. So we ended up staying at his place. And that has happened several times over the course of the PCT where I won't have any plans. I won't have any place to stay. And I'm expecting to have to camp out. And some stranger will come and offer their place to me and feed me good food and give me a bed to sleep. Um, It's been absolutely incredible. And actually, just now, we stayed three nights in Ashland with this amazing lady named Ute, who she just met us at Callahan's and was like, hey, yeah, you guys can come stay at my house. And she cooked us meals. She brought us breakfast. It was absolutely incredible. And it's it's a really unique experience because I feel like at, while they're offering so much to us and we feel so appreciative of that it's really a mutually beneficial experience because these trail angels they do it for a reason a lot of the times i mean you have the people like the andersons like the infamous places where everyone goes and they're hosting tons and tons of hikers i mean they have a they they enjoy it and i think that a lot of the times these people who take us into their homes get a lot out of it too totally um yeah, this last <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> um, this last experience in Ashland has been really great in that respect, in that um this lady Ute lives alone with her dad, who's quite old, I believe he's about ninety, and doesn't get out. She can't go out with her friends much because she's here there taking care of him. And it was just really cool to see like how much this group of hikers, there was four of us, just brought a lot of joy into their home. Even this morning, her dad, who never likes to go outside, came and joined us out on the back deck just to be with us. So I feel like as much as they're giving us, I feel like we're able to return some of that just by bringing this positive energy into their houses. Mm-hmm. And well, there's something really special about that. 
unique. I think I think we as hikers we bond with each other a lot, and that kind of gives us this restored faith in humanity that a lot of hikers talk about. But there's a lot of that that comes from our interactions with people in town and people who hear about the PCT and just people who just want to help us for seemingly no reason or Mm -hmm. they just they have this urge to help us and it really makes you kind of rethink what maybe you thought about people I mean Mm -hmm. if you were ever pessimistic about (laughs) going into a town and expecting to only meet people you're not going to get along with this trail really shows that you can really just out of nowhere have these amazing experiences with these amazing people I've had some super great experiences just with good people in towns. I mean, it's 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 kind of hard to explain until, like, you're at that lowest moment where, like, when we were going into Ashland and mm. the group of us, we had nowhere to stay. And we yeah. were like, we don't really want to we spend dragging. money. we were dragging. We had no energy. We didn't want to go into town and blow hundreds of dollars on a hotel room. But at the same time, we really needed days off we needed our feet to heal Mm -hmm. we needed new gear and oh and this trail would be by the way probably not possible for me to have hiked without all the amazing trail angels I've met just like for example my foot was hurting and my shoes were completely broken down and I didn't have the funds to buy a really nice pair of shoes and so I had a trail angel who was just like, oh, I'll help you pay for those. Like, just out of the blue came and offered to help me pay for these shoes that I couldn't have afforded. And, like, because of that moment, I'm able to now go another hundreds of miles with these nice shoes. So, I feel like a lot of the PCT, too, it's team building. Like, it restores your faith in humanity and it also brings people together because... I just don't think people can do this trail all on their own. Like, we all need each other, and I think a lot of life is like that, and it just brings it into focus. And I think a lot of a lot of the trail angels themselves are hikers, and I think that it's a good way to give back, because if you go out and hike and you do a trail like this, you're going to receive the trail magic, and inside of us is an urge to give that back and pay it forward kind of Mm. so you get to meet a lot of hikers who are yeah i mean what goes around comes around you know i got this magic and i had this happen to me when i was hiking so i wanted to to do that for other people totally a lot of us will see spots on the trail and think like we'll we'll be talking to each other and be like oh this would be the perfect place to do this kind of trail magic and i'd have this and this and this and it's definitely a gift that just keeps giving because a lot of people who are on the PCT live on the west coast so they're now able to just realize what a gift it is and give it give it forward it's pretty awesome and those of us who haven't hiked the Appalachian Trail hear a lot of stories from the ATers about how common trail magic is out there I mean there's stories of people getting barbecued for and bought beers for for days in a row meanwhile us out here we might go days and days without seeing any hikers or people or cars in general and um i think that it's starting to change though i think that there's a culture growing in these little towns like chester for example they're they're really kind of trying to make an effort to welcome the hikers and spread the word to people to give rides and for businesses to look out for us and it really 
it it's becoming more and more welcoming, I feel like. Before we get any further, I just want to say big congratulations to all the PCTers who finally made it through California. A new state. Oregon. I know on the Appalachian Trail that new states are like, no big deal, but California is a little bigger than New Jersey, especially when you cross it the long way. Anyhow, trail magic. I find the entire phenomena of trail magic and trail angels to be incredibly fascinating and a little bit baffling. See, and, and I think I've said this before, but you can't have a 2,000 plus mile trail across the country without crossing into civilization. And there are points where this happens, roads, nearby towns, points where trail life and trail culture intersects with the rest of the world. And at these points, that's where the magic happens. That's where strangers treat you with kindness and take you into their home. That's where strangers give you rides or cold sodas or maybe a hot dog. Why? Why do they do this? To be on the trails to realize that the things that we say about each other that strangers are unkind or dangerous, that people don't help each other anymore, that the world is not a nice place. Those things don't make sense anymore. Sure, there are mean and scary people that you run into on the trail, but those encounters are totally overshadowed by the kind and helpful people you meet along the way. Which, I guess, still confuses me. And you know, I don't know if this podcast is going to clear anything up, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Our next clip is actually from some hikers we've heard from before, Safari and Redwood. Part 3 interviewed them about trail life for episode 12, but I saved some of the audio for this episode because I felt it was a little bit more applicable. So let's hear some more from the dudes. So I did, you know, I think 4,000 miles in the last three years, trying to get to Canada in 2012 and 13 on the PCT, getting stuffed by winter both times. I've done the first half of the Appalachian Trail, and I'm pretty stoked to go out and do the second half when I get a chance. And yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, he's been our trail angel for our stops here, and also in Mammoth, he hooked us up for a few days. Um, so let's start with a great town experience. Why don't you guys both go through one particular town experience where you just you loved it? I got one right off the bat. Uh, I was in Washington. And Washington gets you down mentally just because of how you're trying to finish and it feels like everything is against you to get there. Weather-wise, the miles are just getting harder. And, I mean, it seems like anything that can go wrong will, whether it's gear or just, I mean, plans aren't going through. And we had gotten to this town, I think it was Snoqualmie. I mean, the hotel there was crazy expensive and nothing but bad reviews from the hikers but there's nowhere else to stay near the trail at least and my buddy is coming down from a fresh bushwhack he had gotten lost and found his way out and he's walking on the road some lady pulls up and kind of asks what he's doing she offers him a place to stay and next thing you know they're chatting it up and she's recovering from Lyme disease and just an amazing spirit she Took a liking to my friend, and she wanted to meet some more hikers, so he brought us over, and we stayed for three days at this cabin right there on Snoqualmie. Wow. And she was the nicest lady I think I've ever met. Drove us to REI, way down there, and was just all about stories. I mean, making us the best grub. I got film and video from those 
three days, I mean, hikers in down spirits is being lifted, and that, I mean, if it wasn't for the, the crazy early snow in Washington that year, I think that would have been our lifesaver to make it, and we had a chance, but, you know, winter does its thing. But yeah. that was the best trail magic I think I've ever had. Kind of and the, to be like at the end of the trail too, it was pretty special. In the yeah, darkest of moments, you get yeah. kind of the greatest help sometimes. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Right. What about you, Redwood? Man, I don't even know. Let's be honest. can't think of anything. Why don't you give us our last one, Kennedy Meadows. Oh, Kennedy Meadows. Damn. Yeah, Kennedy Meadows was incredible, man. After like just mosquito hell for like three days... Some of the harder terrain we've encountered yet, we just finally hitched out of Sonora Pass, and uh, we were welcomed by a pickup truck backing up with a family of probably 15 to 20 in it, and uh, just immediately were offered beers and just, just the most welcoming environment off the bat. It was incredible, um, and we we found out that it it is definitely one of our favorite stops yet. You know, like, incredible food, just really welcoming environment, and just cowboys everywhere. <laughs> did this guy... Like, real cowboys. <laughs> did he know about the Pacific Crest Trail? No, no. No uh, idea. No yeah. idea, right? What was his name? Uh, Pudgy. Pudgy, not yeah. Squishy. Yeah, shout out to Pudgy. Yeah. He had no idea what Pudgy's, the PCT was. Pudgy's the shit. Is we just know? rolled up in the cars yeah. with... Our hitch, we just rolled up and just had the biggest smiles on our face, and he instantly pointed us out and was like, you two, get out of the car. Yeah. You guys need beers right now. Yeah. And we got, had a couple beers and walked into Kennedy Meadows, and it was a pretty great experience. It's one of those, it's funny because those small, small resorts, we go through a lot of those, but those are often where you meet a lot of the coolest people and the people who become really interested in your hikes. Um, the big towns like here in Tahoe are great because they do have everything, but there's something to say about the the tiny resort towns. It's much more personal, for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I know in my past experience, all the best trail mentor I've had is from people who had no idea they are even near the trail, or, I mean, through hiking was not something they were out there to, you know, meet hikers or anything like that, and I love the people who are there to help us out, giving us water, you know, under bridges and things like that, but you know, when I when I meet a person who has an RV at a trailhead and they never heard of the Pacific Crest Trail, and next thing you know, you're you're watching a movie. Yeah, because it just driving blows, you down to town. Blows I mean, their like, mind yeah. that, that someone's doing this. You know, because it blew my mind, dude. When I yeah. met this guy Rockfish, he's like triple crown hiker. He had already hiked over ten thousand miles in his lifetime, and I'm out there on my first you know hundred mile backpacking trip, and. It was insane to hear these guys' stories, and he wasn't even that old, and it was like, I'm keeping up with him, maybe I could do this too, and it's like, it's almost like meeting a celebrity, you know? Mm -hmm, yeah. People talk about, like, when they see famous people in real life, meeting this thru-hiker for the first time, when I had never even experienced backpacking, was the same kind of feeling, meeting Get a, a celebrity. Get starstruck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I couldn't help but follow this guy for three days, asking stories about, like, things he had been through animals he'd seen towns he'd you know everything so so and that was unexpected you kind of just stumbled across him totally yeah we were uh we were bushwhacking for a while trying to get over this pass it was all snow that year so we had actually caught up to him which was surprising to me because he was lost 
and we had finally found the trail, convinced we were on trail, and <laughs> he was actually thinking he was lost, and that's when we were like, no, dude, you're going the right way, <laughs> and he thought we were through hikers at that point. <laughs> and it was like, nah, dude, I mean, we're just out here. I mean, you came from Mexico? Yeah, what? I remember reading the topo maps of this guy. I felt like, you know, a dad and son. I'm like, hand me the map, man. Let me see this. I want to I help out here, you know? And uh, so that whole route finding experience and no one else out there in the backcountry. I know a lot of hikers are scared of snow, but I think it's an opportunity to experience something that you're afraid of which is i feel like everyone hears it in quotes and things like that is do what you're afraid to do safari you're not hiking this year so you've been kind of functioning as a a quasi trail angel you've been hanging around trail towns so what would be one of your highlights this year from just seeing hiker behavior but from kind of the point of view of someone who might be considered a townie you know you're kind of on the other side of the coin this time as opposed to being the hiker um, man, that freshness with life hikers have is, is pretty hard to, to match up with. When people come in to town from the trail, there's like this aura that shines pretty bright, you know? And, um, I travel around, I've, I've been doing a lot of like camping and climbing and just getting out there, you know, as much as I can, but something about through hiking that, I don't know, it's, uh... There's so much up and downs, but your highs are so much, so much higher than your lows, and it seems like when I'm out there on the road, just with normal people, there's a pretty consistent, I don't know, I don't want to say dullness, but just like a plainness that goes with life next to the road. Maybe just less ups and downs, even, and more of yeah, an even keel. Even yeah. keel for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. that. It's like the elevation profile on that trail, man. It goes up and down, and so does your your mind state out mm-hmm. there. And um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to mingle with you guys and um, and get to see all my hiker friends. Drop my friend off at the CDT and all that stuff. It's a it's quite the experience, and I can't wait to get out there. But at the same time, there's so many things I want to do while I'm still young, and I know the trail will be there. And Getting out there is a pretty broad term, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, There's a lot of places. Yeah. There's a lot of places, man. And I think it's getting bigger, too. I think we're going to have more national scenic trails that are going to start, like, you know, popping up here. Arizona Trail, Pacific Northwest Trail, the Hey Duke. These are all things that I think are going to be just as normal as the PCT in For sure. years. Yeah. yeah. Just the trail communities. Well, I mean, it's just, like... Continuing to build. There's so much, like, this whole branch towards technology but at the same time as you're doing that you feel this emptiness and when you fill it with outdoors it's almost like it won't stop you need to keep going and get more of this whether it's climbing or kayaking or hiking you know you just you want to be out there and uh there's so many sports pick up outside and through hiking for me was the start of it you know just walking through these territories and meeting the people who who do that stuff in each community you meet people who are locals and they're locals there because they enjoy the outdoors you know it's the best part about small towns mm-hmm. it's outdoorsy people living out there in the woods yeah. because they love the woods <laughs> and it's such a simple uniting factor but it's so real yeah <laughs> so I'm stoked that i learned it cool. while i was young cool so one of the things that they pointed out is that there's more than one kind of trail magic there's trail magic that has been planned and done by people who are in the trail community 
And then there's the unexpected trail magic. The kindness of people who don't know who thru-hikers are, and who probably think you are a little bit crazy. But they help you anyway. God bless them. But a fair number of trail angels, of the kind souls who help the thru-hikers, are former thru-hikers themselves. Which makes more sense to me. Having been on the receiving end of incredible generosity, how can we all not want to pay that back in some way? Our next interview is straight out of the audio vault. Several weeks ago, when Sina had to get off trail with an injured foot, she was helped by the trail angel Devilfish, who had been giving rides and water to hikers in Southern California. Just for some background, the part of the trail where Sina had been hiking is probably the driest stretch of the entire Pacific Crest Trail, and I'm pretty sure it's drier than any stretch on the Appalachian Trail. In between the towns of Tehachapi and Kennedy Meadows, the trail is dry. 20, 25, 35 mile stretches between water sources, some of which are unreliable. It's exposed, it's remote, there's no shade, and it's hot. It's a tough stretch. Brain melting. It's beautiful, but it's hard. And along the way, there are a few places where the trail crosses roads, most of them just backcountry uh, gravel roads, and trail angels will sometimes maintain water caches at those trail crossings, which is just a, a little extra help in a time of need. Devilfish had been maintaining a water cache in this stretch of trail, but let's hear from Sina and Devilfish themselves. Hey guys, it's Sina from Sounds of the Trail. Here I have this year's Trail Angel of the Year for the PCT, uh, Devilfish. Hi, Devilfish. Hi, how are we doing? <laughs> Good. How'd you get your name, by the way? I know you told me, but tell, tell everyone how you got your name. Uh, well, so Devilfish uh, has several meanings, as I've been reminded, but the one that's near and dear to my heart is uh, <laughs> the Devilfish is the mariner's term for the gray whale. Uh, they named it that because it was so fierce in defending its itself and its young against predation, as opposed to other whales like the right whale, which is the right way to hunt. Anyway, so the gray whale is the the world's foremost long-distance trekker, you might say. It's the mammal <laughs> with the longest annual migration. It goes from the Bering Sea down to Baja, California, and back about 14,000 miles. Actually, there. Uh, the new record was set last year by Varvara the Grey Whale. So, Whoa. sort of my, my mascot, you might say. Um, as for, you did the PCT, you said you almost did the entire AT as well, right? The Appalachian Trail? Yeah, yeah, I have almost all of it at this point. Oh, that's amazing. And you said you started, what, like four years ago was when you started well, doing long see. distance hiking? or? Uh, yeah, so two years on the Appalachian Trail, and then two years on the PCT, and then this year. So do you can do your own math on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So did you do the PCT twice, or did you do parts of it, and the next year finish the rest of it? Uh, so I did, uh, I, I attempted a thru-hike, and I got as far north as the last low point before Hearts Pass, which is the last trailhead before the Canadian border, but I had skipped significant chunks trying to get ahead to, you know, to stay ahead of the weather, which didn't right. quite work out. Okay. But so then last year I did more or less the same strategy, but I hiked from from the Mexican border at Campo up to Lake Tahoe. Then I jumped up to Ashland, Oregon on the, on the Oregon-California border, went north to the top of Washington before the, the weather 
uh, kicked in, which is vital because yeah, it's it's really night and day. Washington is so much better before the before the rain starts. And then I finished Northern California in October, November, which is beautiful hiking. Uh, it wasn't too bad. No, uh, the the snow set in really late last year in Northern California, so. Ordinarily, I wouldn't have been able to hike that late, even down there. So yeah. I really sort of lucked out. Yeah. So it's sort of really a once in a lifetime thing for me. I'm a sufficiently slow hiker. I probably wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't be able to to do it ag- again if I tried. But <laughs> you never know. I but guess. you did it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. really great. Um, what got you into long distance hiking? Uh, well, I guess uh, I experienced some 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 personal failures in my life, and I needed to escape away. So I. Uh, sort of as I was alluding to uh, uh, other people doing, you know, the trail was sort of an escape away for me, something to to try to get back to something I could I could actually drill Control. down and do, you yeah. know, yeah. And you know, at first I, the first six weeks on the Appalachian Trail, I I couldn't do ten miles a day, but I gradually gradually was able to build up my fitness. So it's been like a a four-year, four-year program to get myself into, into uh, decent trail shape. I guess you could say. Well, you definitely it's worked that out. Now. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, do you mind? I mean, some a story as to why. I don't know. I have. Uh, I don't know. You know, sort of, so social anxiety disorderish stuff. So uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll work work with people for a while and I'll be able to do stuff but then mm-hmm. sort of the the uh the the social social demands will be too much and I'll, I'll sort of shut down and yeah <laughs> go into go into a, a shell for for months at a time um so one one thing about the the trail is you really can hike your own hike you know you you uh, what does that mean to you and what do you think what does that mean exactly just for people that aren't familiar with that term uh well so uh i guess you could say you, in the most literal literal sense it means uh uh physically hiking in the way that that is best for you mm-hmm. and and your body and your psyche not trying to match some other hikers faster pace or their you know yeah. their longer hours or uh, uh other aspects of their hike because that's the the quickest way to to get yourself injured or to get yourself mentally exhausted absolutely um people people are afraid of you know bear attacks or falling down <laughs> f- falling down icy crevasses but Really, the the three main ways people get put off the trail is uh, uh, either physical fatigue, overstress injuries. Men- <laughs> you point at me. <laughs> I have tendonitis right, right now, but it'll it'll soon. Mental fatigue and wallet fatigue. So yeah, if you can. Avoid- I like that wallet fatigue. Right, exactly. I'm using that at some point. And all three of those those factors are sort of in opposition to each other because, like, if you. Uh, if you take time in a in a hotel to recuperate mentally, then you're putting stress on your right, wallet. Right. And uh, if you if you don't take time in town, then you're you're probably pressing too hard physically. So it's it's interesting. The uh, the long distance hiking is all about uh, the combination of 
the the opposition of determination and discretion. Yeah. So if you're too determined, you'll burn yourself out, and if you're not determined enough, then you'll you'll you'll, also, you'll glaze a right. whole lot and. Uh, which is, you know, hike your own hike, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, in regards to your story, so you said with long distance hiking and mm -hmm. hi finding what hiking your own hike meant for yourself. Mm -hmm. Where did that lead you to? Like, how does that help you, especially with the social anxiety? Well, I, you know, baby steps, baby steps. I, I guess uh, it has quelled social anxiety and, and increased, you know, sort of self-confidence a little bit. It, uh, you know, uh, not too long ago, I would be terrified of ordering things in restaurants or, <laughs> you know, changing an order, um, or, you know, terrified of calling people on the telephone. So fortunately I've been habituated to it a fair amount in, in this particular line of, uh, activity, trail angeling, because otherwise, uh, yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't uh, wouldn't work out. So yeah. Well. Speaking of trail angeling, so you're you started where at Campo? You've just been following the herd, kind of well, all throughout. Uh, not quite. I started in Scissors Crossing, so I'm I'm trying to go places where other trail angels are not. So I'm trying to trying to fill in the gaps, so to speak, because it's really you know it's it's really easy to for for trail angels to to engage in trail magic because it feels good for them rather than uh, trail magic that's directed Necessary. first and foremost at right. at what will what what is most uh, most beneficial to the hikers. Yeah. Um, and you know the the hikers are always going to be grateful to trail angels. Uh, they always will appreciate anything you do, but you know, think of, of how deeper their gratitude will be if, if, uh, if your, if your trail angeling hits them where they most need it. One of the main things about being out here is pushing your limitations, right? So right. I'm, I'm not really interested in, I mean, no, no disrespect to these people. They're wonderful. I'm not so much interested in the people who are so good at this that, you know, it's well within their comfort zone and they can just hike. I'm, I'm interested in, the people who are who are pushing their own personal envelope, and if you're on that personal envelope, then uh, this idea that uh, you know you should just be more prepared doesn't work very well. Because if you could be more prepared, then you wouldn't be on your own envelope. Uh, do you find it to like? Why do you do it? Why do you do this? Well, so uh, you know, I was sort of trying to rediscover my my competence by through hiking, and mm -hmm. I spent several years of that, and I gradually developed it, but um, as, as wonderful as it is, uh, uh, you eventually get a sense of, you're not really, uh, you're sort of living for yourself. You're not really contributing to other people. And that, that sense of connectedness is very important. So I wanted to still be out here. I wanted to, cause I, I love the trail corridor here. This is fantastic. I wanted to be able to experience it, but I also wanted that, that sense of, of meaning of connection. So yeah, and it's worked out pretty well so far. But um, and there we have it, Doublefish and Sina out. I've wondered a lot why so many people are willing to help through hikers. I wonder if some of it has to do with the vulnerability. In non-hiking life, I think we put a lot of walls up. There's shame involved with both needing help and asking for it. But on a through hike, there's often no way around that. 
You have so little. A shelter, a sleeping bag, a few extra pairs of socks. And something about that seems to break down the other barriers. The old rules do not apply or something. I'm very grateful for all the people who helped me, and there were, there were quite a few. But that said, I feel like a typical definition of trail magic can sometimes be a bit reductive. To go back to what Joan of Arc said, she said that to her, trail magic was just anything good that happens on trail. But then she added, you know, done by people. But I don't think we need to add that on. I mean, doesn't waking up on the top of a mountain to a deep red sunrise count as magic? Or seeing a black bear roaming the mountainsides of red and orange blueberry bushes? Or waking up to a mountain lake shimmering like beaten gold in the morning? For our last clip, I have a recording of a dinner conversation with a few other hikers. Dirtnap and I had dinner with Allison and Dick, who were getting ready to start out on a thru-hike up the John Muir Trail the next day. The John Muir Trail is 210 miles, and it overlaps with the Pacific Crest Trail for much of the length, although the JMT actually came first. This hike will be Allison's first long hike, but Dick hiked the Appalachian Trail several years ago. We talked about several things in the conversation, what they're excited about, what they're worried about, and we also talked about trail magic. We never mentioned it specifically, we never called it out, but I think you'll recognize it when you hear it. There's a fair bit of extra noise in this recording, which I apologize for, but I still think it's worth a listen. Let's jump right in. What are you most excited about? What am I most excited about? I'm excited about scenery. I, I've seen pictures of, of the Sierras and Yosemite where I've never been. I haven't been to that part of the country, except for San Francisco and cities. I haven't, I haven't been out there. It's spectacular, and I want to see it. How about you, Dick? Uh, JMT, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, is scenery. Uh, but I want to uh, hike the altitude. Uh, um, um, do you edit these things? Yeah. Good. <laughs> Heavily um, for some people. <laughs> the bleeps uh, it It's a part. It's. I think it's a part of. It's my anticipation is that it's part of the world that is spectacular, and I want to stand in the middle of spectacle. And I want to feel it. I want to. I want to just feel the cold. I want to feel the color. Uh, I want to uh, walk in it, uh, stand in it. I hope it rains. I want. To, I want. I want to be touched by the whole walk of it, the whole weather of it. Um, and it, it's. I think. I, and I haven't been there. Well, I've been on Whitney. Uh, and. And, but I'm imagining some of that stuff. And if it's, I think it's going to be better than what I can imagine. I can't imagine something that uh, grand, uh, uh, broad, fast. I can't. Uh, so I'm excited about that. How did I do? You did great. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Total was, winner. Total winner. I'm amazed at how uh, simple things get. Fundamental. I like I like that. I mean, and it it sounds like eating and sleeping is doing nothing or minimal, and it isn't. It's it's all relevant. It's important. It's necessary, and it's it's a it's a good it's a good way to spend a day. It's a beautiful way to spend a day. Yeah, 
I want to see snow. I want to see snow and, and uh, rain. Uh, I think it's interesting that some of the things you're really looking forward to are some of my fears. <laughs> altitude. That's a good partnership. Al yeah. Altitude is... Uh, I think I'll do okay with altitude. She invited a lot of people to do the trail with her, and I'm, I'm like the 16th one. No, no, no. You're the second. <laughs> I didn't invite this guy to do that, but, but he... Uh, anyway. Well, I'm also... I'm very excited about trying out some of my gear. Oh, yeah. It's 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 a learning process, and you you know all you, not, all you know, you're gonna learn more, and you're gonna learn something that you don't have a clue about. Yeah. You know, uh, food, gear, and yourself. Is there anything you're worried about? I am a little worried about my feet because I have neuromas in my feet, which is like a it's a pain in the ball of the foot caused by your metatarsals squeezing these nerves and. It just causes pain in the ball of your foot. But I've been under the care of a podiatrist and getting these shots to basically kill the nerve. I know it sounds terrible, but that's one thing that that was I was really concerned about a few months ago, but really I'm not that worried about it now. Other than that, you know, maybe I'm, I'm afraid of headaches from, from altitude, maybe. Really, I'm... I'm Concerned with physical pain, <laughs> not so much anything else. I, I think I, I think I can do it. Otherwise, it, the mental aspect is huge, and I've got to not get in that trap of counting down the miles, you know, and just enjoying the ones that I'm on. I think with enough caffeine and ibuprofen, yeah, duct tape, anybody <laughs> can be a through hiker, <laughs> right? I'm amazed. I listen to people. It's amazing how. They can talk themselves out of something. And it's sort of inhibited. My wife, uh, I told you this, um, my wife at the beginning of the age group, she was a little reluctant about the whole thing. And, you know, she said, you know, we're, I call her when I'm in town. And she said, you know, be careful, be careful. Be careful. You know, I said, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be safer. I, I said, I want you to know that I'm fine. And I don't want to. I don't want to waste. I don't want to have your worry, your anxiety in my thoughts. I don't want to say how worried is she. Mm -hmm. I don't need your fear. I have none. And she said, you know, so she accepts that. And, and then at the end of the conversation, she went be, and then she goes, <laughs> be loved. Aww. And I said, yes, that's it. That's what. That's what you. That's what. Um, and she was fine after that. You know, my mother is completely freaked out by this whole thing that I'm going to be doing. Yeah. And oh, the, because she has these memory problems, it's the same questions over and over again. I, I finally told her, be happy and excited for me. I, I just don't need the fear right. and negativity. Yeah. But she, she can't remember that I'm telling her that. So. Well, she also won't remember that you're there. She won't. She'll think every day that I'm going to work. <laughs> yeah. She'll wake up in the morning and then she'll say, "What's well, Alex coming home?" Well, I'm excited. I'm excited about it because it's it's not just an, it's not another trail. It's, it's the John Muir Trail. Yeah. And it, it's not the PC Trail. It's you know it's it's its own unique thing. You know, it was sort of like, and I'm into, I'm, in, I'm into. Um, there were good things that happened in life. Uh, there are some challenging things that happen, but right now I'm in a stage of life where good things happen. 
And I, I refer to them as blessings. And uh, just, gee, you know, light changes at the right time. That, that little, little thing. I'm very, very sensitive to little things, very positive little things. And I was not considering the John Muir Trail. I know about it, and, but I wouldn't have done it. And then somebody calls me up and, you know, she says, I've called, called eight people and, you know, <laughs> nobody wants to do it. Would I be interested? And I'm thinking, yes. I mean, I, as soon as you finished the question, I had a yes, but I thought it would be more tactful to say, let me think about it. <laughs> but I was on it. I was on it from the, from the instant. And because that's part of um, it's time for me to do the John Muir Trail. Uh, and I'm ready for it. I know. And, and I'm on it. And it's it's. And it's just, uh, I have other opinions of California. California is so, it's big in the wrong places, you know, to people, uh, stuff. And, and, uh, but I'm, I'm just excited about walking that section of, um, being in that much spectacle for that much time. And what a finale at Whitney. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty, and I was, I, I, I said that I was on the John Muir. I realized that it was the John Muir Trail, it's, and I'm, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing it because it's time. Yeah. And it's it's not um, it's not whether you know can I or do I want to. It's yeah. Do you feel uh, is it a greater challenge than the AT or about the same? It's just something different. Different. Different is a good is a good word for it. It's not a it's not a, a quantity thing. Uh, whether it's longer or steeper or brighter or more scenic, because the beauty, the beauty on the AT was endless. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I wrote in, in shelters on the AT was I, w- I was fascinated by the, the endless colors of green. Green was just the color. I mean, it started in browns, mm-hmm. and then spring came, and you know the, the leaves were a type of green. And then, but the greens have changed all spring, all summer. It was just amazing. And, and I wrote that when I stopped coloring, when I stopped counting the colors of green, I will start counting the shapes of green. The leaves are endless. So that was a month of that color. And I don't have a talent for color. But in Massachusetts, uh, a couple put me up for a night and she wanted to show, she, and I helped him do some carpentry work in the kitchen. And she wanted to, sh- have him show me um, the color of her paint, her of the kitchen. So mm-hmm. he, she had to, he opened a gallon. He had to open a gallon of paint to show me the color. It was tan. It was tan. Okay, mm-hmm. and I, it must have been on my face because, you know. <laughs> and he, said, he says, "There's a lot of blue in that." You know, I didn't see blue at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at him, and he, he looks at me, and he says, "There's only three colors." And I knew instantly they, were, they, they, they do not include green. <laughs> Blue, red, and yellow, the, the primary colors. Uh-huh. Okay, those are all, the only three colors. And I had been spending six months, five months in greens. So I said, well, I'm going to see what I can do about that. And when I went from the town of Northampton into the woods, and it's instantly, you're in the woods, I didn't see yellow. But I saw the yellow in the green leaves because this was still summer, uh-huh. and and um, uh, yellow. I could see yellow, but it was all in the green leaf. But I couldn't see blue, and it didn't make. It wasn't a a, a, uh, it wasn't a 
search that I wanted to see the blue, but I was always looking for the blue and never saw it. And one day in May, in the rain, it was a color, it was a day, it was, it was a, uh, do you want me to do, do you want, to, do you want this, do you want this story? Yeah. Of I want to hear about this in. story. You can't leave us hanging now. What was the blue? blue. The, the, I, in the rain, the, the rain, rain, the rain, the rain, the rain, the rain, I come, rain. I, I come walking to a pond and, uh, it, it was rain and I just wanted to wash myself. So I stripped, walked into the pond and my eye, you know, the, the rain is hitting the pond. It's like boiling. It's just so it's real animated. And, and so I'm clean. I'm going to come clean. So it's, this is a big story. Uh, uh, and then I get into the back on the trail and the, this is, uh, October, September. No, it's, it's, it's September, August, September. And the little maple trees on the ground, you know, the little maple trees, they're red already. They're already red. It's still raining and I'm walking. I'm totally clean. I like I've been purged. Everybody has this, you know, I'm clean at last. And, so I'm walking in these red leaves, and it sounds like fire. You know, just the crackling of fire, and I'm surrounded by reds. Okay, and I'm just having a moment. Okay, and it's just mm-hmm. weird. So I keep walking in the rain, the rain, the rain. And there was a, uh, there was a tree, a maple tree. And it was, the, the wind sort of blew the the tree, the, the bottom of the leaf was, I saw the blue in the leaf. I saw blue in the leaf. And it goes, you know, it was sort of like just showing me. Uh-huh. And then I saw it. And then it was just, you know, it was, I kept walking and in the rain. And, uh, yeah, huh. I, I kept walking and uh, there was, a, there was a, some, another thing. I get to the next shelter and I'm telling them I saw blue, you know, I saw blue and, you know, and this, it was this couple, couple and their dog. And I'm totally, I don't know what I am, but, but I'm telling them that I've seen, I saw blue, I saw a blue leaf and, 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 um, uh, then I, then I said, I love, and I love you. It was all, I love you. I love you. I love you. I saw, I saw, I saw the blue and, and, um, uh, I couldn't. I just stayed at the shelter. I was just motioned. Everybody left. They left, and another guy left. And, uh, then uh, there was a, a girl and her father who came down the trail to the shelter, and one the woman of the of the three people in that shelter had given her a leaf that was blue. Uh, it had blue in it. it. Wasn't the one that I saw. But, she said, give it to them, give it, and I mean, I was there, and they showed up, and she gave me the, I still have the leaf, <laughs> and I can still see the blue in it. Maybe trail magic is as simple as a color. Who's to say? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Sounds of the Trail. As far as podcast news, there's not too much this week. I'm pleased to tell you that Kimchi gets to get back on trail this week, so we'll be hearing more trail transmissions from her. Par 3, like I mentioned earlier, has made it through the entire state of California and is well into Oregon. So, through hiking season is moving along. Don't forget to get out on the trails yourself, even if it's just for a day or for an hour. Happy hiking, everybody! 
big rock candy mountain. You never have to change your socks. And little streams of alcohol come a trickling through the rocks. All the railroad bulls at the tip of their hats and the railroad bulls are all blind. A little lake of stew and a whiskey too. You can paddle all around it in your big canoe. On the big rock candy mountain. On the big rock candy mountain. Hey.